This is You Can Adopt, a series which explores and debunks many of the most common misconceptions about adoption in England. You'll hear first-hand experiences from many different people involved in the adoption process, with each episode hosted by recognisable voices sharing their own experiences of adoption. To find out more and to begin your journey towards growing your family, please visit youcanadopt.co.uk. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching You Can Adopt. Now, enjoy the episode. Please be aware before listening that this episode contains some aspects which may be difficult for some to listen to around subjects such as self-harm and suicide. Hello, you're listening to the You Can Adopt podcast with me, Joy Carter. In previous episodes, we've spoken to adoptive parents about adopting children with additional needs, older children, children of different ethnicities, same-sex adoption and explored adopting as a result of fertility issues. Today, we're talking a different approach and talking to two adults who were themselves adopted as children. Now, I was adopted myself as a baby from Nigeria to the UK. I came here at the age of two. I was born into the Biafran War and found in the bush next to my dead twin and picked up and taken to a local orphanage. And then a whole load of miraculous, incredible events happened, which obviously I can't tell you about because of time. I eventually got adopted out there and you came to the UK. But today we're welcoming also Dawn and Fran to the podcast. Now, Dawn was adopted at the age of four after being in foster care and Fran was adopted at the age of two. Both previously experienced difficult upbringings and were adopted from the care system. We talked to them about growing up as an adoptee and how adoption has shaped them. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Dawn and Fran. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having us. First and foremost, it would be great if you could tell us a little about your adoption story. So, Fran, do you want to kick off? So, I was removed at birth after a series of accidents happened. And I went into foster care. I went into one foster home for a few weeks, I guess, emergency. And then I spent most of year and a half in another foster care home. So how old were you when you were actually adopted? I would say around the age of two, but I actually don't really know. Yeah, it's always challenging, isn't it? You know, when people ask you those sort of personal details, including when is your birthday, which is always a tough one, isn't it? Can you remember, Fran, um, about meeting your adoptive parents for the first time? I can't remember meeting them at all. I can remember the lady that I was fostered by, I can remember her more than I can remember meeting my adoptive parents. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I think there's just sometimes in your mind, it's, it's just not going to come, isn't it? You know, it's um because obviously because the whole traumatic situation. Do you ever remember being told you were adopted or was it just part of your story from the beginning? I mean, I, I guess it was always kind of there really, wasn't it, it? it? Yeah, it's always been there and I don't remember specifically being told that I was adopted. But interestingly enough, the word adopted is very rarely used. So even when I was younger, it was, you know, you're special. So, so if I can just <laughs> move on to you, Dawn, tell us a little bit about your story. 
I went into care when I was two years old after some traumatic experiences at home. Um, there were eight of us and we all went into different care homes. We're split into groups. Uh, I had emergency foster care and then was in a care home for a bit before moving in with my adoptive parents when I was four with the adoption being finalised uh, a couple of years later. Can you actually rem- remember very much of that? Have you got any sort of memories that come to mind as a child? Yeah, I remember being in foster care and um, going to the beach and stuff. And I always like knew that I was adopted, I suppose, because I was growing up and I moved around a lot. I always had different parents. So I was always aware of it. And I remember meeting my parents kind of, not like the specifics, but I remember them coming over to play um, and being introduced to them and then moving in with them one day. So. How did that make you feel, you know, ha- having those memories? Obviously, you had a very different story compared to a lot of children your age. Yeah, um, I mean, at the time, I didn't really think anything of it because it was just my upbringing. I had always moved around. I had always had different people living with me. It just seemed normal. It was only when I got older that I realised, like, it was not what everyone went through and um, started to realise how it affected me. Can you roughly remember how many moves you actually had I mean probably from like when I was born to four maybe like 10 or 15 so a lot (laughs) that's quite a lot but it's kind of quite normal isn't it at the moment in the system I you know um I can remember reading a fact that on average in a normal situation for a family adults move around 10 times over their entire life yeah so to go through that amount of moving It's a lot, isn't it? And you're you're not even, you're still still a child. Yeah, and I think, you know, long-term foster care is quite hard to come by. I don't know many people who had long-term foster carers. So um, I think if you do, it can be uh, quite a nice experience. But yeah, for the rest of us or most of us, I guess we have quite a few placements before we get adopted or settled into a second family. So can I just ask you, Fran, how long did it take you to feel like you were part of your new adopted family? That's a really difficult question. I know I spent a lot of time underneath the dining room table, which my parents thought was, was, you know, cute rather than that might be a little bit of an issue. Dawn, have you got that memory of just trying to deal with it, obviously the Herculean situation. You know, do you, what's your first memory of thinking, oh my gosh, I'm now with this family forever? Well, I remember when we first moved in, they kind of had like an uh, adoption party. It was like a welcome welcome home kind of thing. So they had, my mum had some of her family over and so did my dad and we had food. And I was like, oh my God, this is so weird. Like I live here now and all these people are really excited to see me and I don't know who any of them are. So that was kind of like a well, I'm not really part of this family. I'm just going to be here for a little bit, guys. So that was probably the first time. Um, But obviously, as I grew, it changed and other things make you feel like part of a family or not part of it. Yeah, I can remember being about three and I can remember it so clearly saying to my parents, you're not part of my family. And they were like, oh, we love you and everything. And I'm black. My parents are white. So I don't even look like these people. And I remember I I made the decision I wouldn't speak to them because I couldn't platform it. I was like, you know, I'm not part of this family. But I remember my mum, with obviously no counselling support like we have today, saying to me, very kindly, she said, if you never want to speak to us, that's okay. But you just speak to our cat called Tigger and Tigger will tell us how you feel. 
and that was really lovely and that just helped me start to feel I you know I, I it was okay to feel like I didn't want to talk to them which I didn't really until I was five that's how I remember it sort of affected me and we now know it's called PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder um did your siblings because you also have siblings didn't you as well how did they help you to feel a bit more integrated fan my elder sibling had a lot of issues of his own and my younger brother, I don't know. I mean, I have a very good relationship with my younger brother, so we just kind of got on with her. Did your parents seek any help? Was there any help or support for them at all? Did they even think maybe this is a difficult situation for you? Fran? I I don't think my parents ever thought that they needed any help with anything. You know, it was all kind of left to me yeah. to go and get the support that I needed. And if there's any conversations about maybe what I needed, it was more... A reflection of um, them as people, rather than I might have actually needed that. I was going to say, um, you know, my parents said I was a people pleaser till I was about ten, eleven, and then when hormones kicked in, that's when the trauma really hit home. I probably played up the most then, and that's when they needed help. Well, I knew I needed help, but I didn't access it I didn't know how to access it I didn't know what you could access it wasn't uh Fran probably knows about this as well but for me I didn't really access proper adoption support until I was in my 20s which is well well after I was adopted so I'm 26 now and only started getting post-adoption support when I was 21 22 so we're talking 18 years after I moved in with my family which is a long time to process and deal with trauma on your own Ditto. I didn't get any professional help until I was 24. I always knew I had major problems. I ran away at the age of eight. I tried to commit suicide three times. I jumped off a bridge into some water. I I have vague memories of being pulled out by my dad. And my parents were saying, well, why did you do that? And I just said, you know, hearing voices, I was just, I just couldn't deal with it. But it's interesting, isn't it, how as soon as you get that support at whatever age, you start to unpack it, isn't it? But I guess everyone's got that different story. So so let's just move on a little bit now. Let's talk about growing up as an adoptee. Did you know any other adoptees growing up? I knew a couple of other adoptees purely because my parents had friends who'd adopted children as well. But growing up, it still wasn't a conversation that we all embraced or we all had. And maybe that's because we didn't think that we were allowed to have it either. My experience is really similar to Fran. So I did know adoptees, but they were children of people who had adopted, um, that had been in my parents' like pre-adoption classes. There wasn't anyone I knew in my school who had been adopted, none of my friends, no one really understood it, we didn't talk about it. So no one that I would immediately associate with was someone that had been adopted. Yeah, I have to say the same. I, I can remember, I think I was introduced by my parents to someone who was a child who was also adopted. And we just went, yeah, we're both adopted. Silence. (laughs) (laughs) Who wants to talk about it? (laughs) Like, I don't really want that to be my label or why people are friends with me. Like, it's not really a common ground. So I guess we all have such vast experiences of being adopted. So going, oh, this is my kid who's adopted and here's also my kid who's adopted doesn't really bring any common denominator (laughs) together, really. It's it's about saying like this is my kiddie's birthdays in April and my kiddie's birthdays in April it doesn't really <laughs> and, and it's funny I didn't actually see, I didn't meet any properly 
any adopted people till I was in my 30s. And I, through TANG, there was a transracial adoption group. I was asked, I'm a comedian as well, so I was asked to do a bit of comedy because I've got a comedy do- adoption show. And I remember thinking, oh, I'll just do the show and then I'll just leave. But in the afternoon, I remember I sat and looked at other people like me and it was like the ground coming up where you go, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. So let me just ask you, Fran, um, what do you think has been the impact of maybe your childhood experiences on you? If you can think, cast back to maybe your early 20s or even sort of late teens, what, what do you, you know, when you stood up and said, hey, I'm 21, did you feel any impact then of what you'd gone through? A lot of shame, not feeling safe, feeling like I didn't belong anywhere. Mm. Did you have anyone to sort of reach out to you? I know that we've already established that there, there isn't really any governmental help or anything. Or yeah, did you actually manage to reach out to anyone? I did later in life. Not so much around that time or before. Mm, mm. Dawn, how did you feel in your sort of like late teens, early 20s? Did you feel the impact of what you've gone through? Yeah, so definitely in my late teens, uh, I went through a very traumatic experience when I was 16. My sister was placed back into care so that her adoption broke down. And that kind of triggered all those feelings again of like abandonment and not being good enough. And I just felt like I had no one to talk to, no one to turn to. Who can you talk to? Like, you can't really say to your parents, oh, I feel like you're going to get rid of me too. And I feel lost and alone. And I don't fit in with this family. I don't fit in with my birth family. I don't fit in anywhere. But in my 20s, I've been really lucky, I guess, because I'm quite young. Um, I've found a really good community online on Twitter. So I've had quite a lot of support in that direction. So Fran um, reached out to me and I got talking to her and we have quite a few like shared opinions or not experiences per se, because we've got very different experiences, but um, things that we understand because of what we've gone through. And it's been so nice to speak to people uh, who do kind of, almost echo you in a way because it's so different so before then no but yeah in my 20s I've been really lucky I found the same as you I love my parents with all my heart but there also is that element I do want to stress of that grateful syndrome and also the guilt isn't it because obviously you you, I mean for me one side of me was so blessed I've got this amazing family we had guinea pigs and rabbits and all this mismanagerie and we had this wonderful childhood but then the other side of me which was just devastated because I'd lost all my family and my twin sister and obviously I'm not like them you know even walking down the street I was suffering racial abuse because I am black they are white so there's that constant noise of people going to me who are those people I'm like it's my mum and dad oh I can't see them (laughs) I'm like they're next to me I didn't want to talk about it, but people would start crying. And and that's the other thing I I just want to reach out and say about sharing your adoption story. I mean, do you share it today at all, Dawn? Do you ever tell people? You know, know, sometimes when people are interested in you, do you ever just tell people? It's a weird one. So I, when I was younger, I I used to say I'm adopted and then not talk about it at all. Like that would be all I would say on it. it. It's a fact and then no other questions. Now I talk about it a lot more, especially my experience and what I went through, because I really want to advocate for people from my background, you know, people who have had traumatic upbringings and gone through adoption, which, like you say, is something I'm really, I'm grateful to my parents. I love my parents, but also I'm not grateful because 
I shouldn't have had to have been adopted in the first place. So, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I guess in a way, I yeah, I talk about it more now, but it's still something like I'm still kind of embarrassed about it. Like I am and I'm not like I'm doing this podcast. I'm obviously happy to talk about it, but it's still kind of like I've got a red face and, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm adopted, especially when I date people and things as well. I think uh, friendships and relationships is when it, I find the real impact of it because I find it really hard to get close to people. Yeah, ditto that. And that is that is a process, isn't it? That is an ongoing <laughs> lifetime process. It's a, it's a lifelong I mean, I just dread it. I think, I, I think, I know we all do, well, I, I, a lot of people in relationships where when it's just me, it's fine. But when I say these are my family, there's that, there's, I call it the, the drop moment where people go, oh, like one, two, three, and they go, you, they don't look like you. And it's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to talk about it. Can I just be joy? I always get that when people ask how many siblings I have, because I, could say two, three, 10, 13. I'm like, which one should I go for today? Which story do I feel like sharing today? So yeah, it's that moment of like sharing something and watching people go, oh. <laughs> or yeah, it's that breathing moment when you just wait for them and their eyes are going, aren't they? And you can yeah. see that, you know, there's that like being hit in the face by going, this is not what I want to hear. Or how do I process that? So yeah. Fran, has that, you know, can you resonate with that? You know, that moment when you tell people that you are adopted, you know? Definitely. It's it's still not an easy thing, though, is it? I mean, when I was younger, when I used to share my story, you know, my experience at school where you know, I would get bullied. So there's a, if I share who I am, what's the consequence? Am I going to get rejected? Are people not going to like me? Equally, as I've got older, I'm also mindful now that, not everybody needs to hear my story. Like there are some people who actually I wouldn't want to share my story with. I don't deserve to hear my story. So I'm slightly more confident in that than when I was younger. But it still is, you know, it's time and a place and it depends. I sometimes, similar to Dawn saying about siblings, you know, people ask the question and I think, what answer should I give? Depending on who's asking and why they're asking, because sometimes people are asking because they're just nosy. Absolutely. So important. Um, And I would say, you know, your story is your gold and be really wise who you share it with. Um, So just looking at sort of the thoughts and the reflections, did your parents at all try and acknowledge your heritage, Fran? Did they try and give you anything to do about where you were coming from? Not at all. I mean, my hair, my hair was really curly when I was younger. It was difficult to manage. And it was cut very short and it was a nuisance that I had hair like that. So that's probably the only relevance to heritage that I have. Apart from that, it wasn't really spoken about. Yeah, I, I, my hair was horrendous in photographs. I, we lived up north in Lincolnshire, no black hair salons. My hair was like a tree growing out the back. It was just one big mat. Every single time the school ham, hamster went missing, I was always a culprit. No, I wasn't. That, that was a joke because I'm a comedian um <laughs> but it was horrendous I was using all the wrong products I mean that is something which I know social workers are very much trying to say to parents now if you do adopt a child from a different culture you have to embrace who they are and not try to make them like you Dawn did you feel that your parents tried to tell you anything about your story or where you know did they try and give you any sense of identity from your past um kind of my parents were 
very critical of my past. I suppose they've been, they're quite middle class people. They've got a very nice life and they wanted to give me that life. But in the process, wanted me to figure everywhere that I'd come from. So I come from a very working class family, very limited to no educational attainments and stuff. So it kind of clashes at points. So both my adoptive parents went to university. So I went to university, I got a degree, but that for me was such a massive thing because no one in my birth family had done it, but it was kind of the norm and the expectation in my adoptive family. Mm. Is, is there anything that your parents could have done differently, Fran? I mean, just one thing that you think your parents should have done to help you. I mean, having discussions about anything would have been really helpful, you know, making, feeling like things existed rather than everything was a secret. Yeah. It's difficult, I think, isn't it, for parents? They don't even, you know, I think they're often sold that you've got the child, everything's all right now. They can't process that maybe you're not on that journey with them because you've suffered so greatly. Dawn, do you think your parents, anything that they could have done to help you? Yeah, I think realising that adoption, although it's done me good, is also a traumatic experience in itself. It's not a fairy tale ending. It's not a, I move in and everything is fixed. There were ongoing problems that needed to be addressed from the start. And also just thinking about the language that they used regarding both my birth family and being adopted. So sometimes uh, you can be made to feel othered just from what they say or small actions that they take and they don't realise, I suppose, in a normal whatever normal is normal family it wouldn't feel so impactful but for me as an adoptee it does I think this is when I think you know to really commend both of you and and to encourage anybody out there who's thinking of telling their story and talking about this is when the power of the adoptee voice kicks in because people need to know it's not just you on your own saying this because you're different and you want or maybe you're playing up or you want attention it's because this is the experience of most people I mean, I, all the, everything you've said, I'm completely ditto with, you know, my parents were are amazing, but they couldn't even have this discussion. You know, we don't even have this discussion even now. And we never will. We never talk about my adoption. And that's fine. Even the work that I'm doing as an adoptee, we just move on to the gardening. <laughs> and that's okay. I love them for that. Um, but I've had to admit to myself that we're not going to have those discussions um, for many different reasons. And that's okay. So just moving on, um, Dawn, if you, if you have to talk about your siblings, do you think it helped you that you were adopted together? So I know a lot of people want me to say yes, because I do think adopting in sibling groups is really progressive and a really good opportunity because some kids really do need that stability and support. In my personal situation, it wasn't the right thing, um, just because my younger sister had really profound needs and actually needed one-to-one care. But that wasn't realised until after we got adopted, so it's a bit too late. So, yeah, I guess, no, it didn't help me being adopted with a sibling. But I can see the benefits. I see that having someone to talk to and share that trauma, um, both pre-adoption and the adoption trauma with, can be hugely important. And I will say, so although I was adopted with one sibling, I have seven others that I lost contact with. It would have been really nice to have maintained contact with them. So being able to talk to those people about the experience, that was probably the biggest disappointment for me. Mm. What are the three best traits your parents instilled in your upbringing? Is there three things that you really are glad that they taught you? 
So for me, yeah, I'm I'm very honest. My parents were always honest about me being adopted and I took that honesty with me as a person and I'm very honest about everything I do and I say and I'm really authentically myself. Um, also perseverance, you know, adoption was difficult for me but it was also difficult for them and they stuck with it and they worked through it. And then the last one is a bit corny but love. Um, I was really <laughs> not an affectionate child. I'd never had affection. I didn't know how to cuddle or say I love you I didn't trust people that did things like that um and you know they've persevered with that and really taught me what love can be like in a family and how to engage with it so that's maybe the best traits that's really beautiful because I think that's that's one of the positives about being adopted and in a you know, forever family that works there are lots of beautiful things that you can learn did you have coping mechanisms to get you through the dark days and are they still are you still working through them today I think we all have those things in our history that we used as coping mechanisms and I'm absolutely still working through them today I'm 26 I'm nowhere near accepting of what I went through or where I am at this point but I would say that now I write I blog I paint instead of maybe some of those more negative uh, behaviours I did engage with. Yeah, the power of being in a community is just beautiful because I remember just for me, just knowing that I wasn't alone because that's the hardest thing, isn't it? You've been alone with this in your head for years. And then, as you said, you can then start to forgive yourself for the coping mechanisms and then overcome them one by one. Yeah, I think a lot of the behaviours as well, people want to say due to your past or due to going through something negative and not maybe related to the ongoing effects of being adopted Mm -hmm. um, or just because you're acting up and you want a bit of attention, not a genuine response to genuine trauma. So first it takes you to accept that behaviour is allowed and it actually makes sense and it's okay to respond like that it's maybe it's not the most healthiest thing and you know anorexia self-harming anything like that is awful for the individual but it makes sense when you're coping on your own that those are the behaviors that you'll engage with and when you say it's okay that that's how I've responded here's how I'm going to deal with it moving forward that's when we can start to heal so so just just to end this little section is there one thing that you'd like to say to any adoptive parents listening dawn to just one thing that you can say to them that's going to help them with their children (laughs) uh i don't think i could sum up all the things i want to say in uh one phrase what about you fran do you have one piece of advice that's yeah that's a that's a hard one i mean i would probably say that you need to be able to meet the needs of your your child who then becomes an adult and it is a lifelong, isn't it? It's not going to end at 18 or 22. It's going to be a lifelong support. Um, and I know I can quite honestly still say that I'm still getting free from things that are um, in my closet of things to get healed from. And it's exciting because you get free. I so, say, you know, you're both right on that as well, that it's an ongoing thing because the issues you have at four or 14 or 24 are different. You know, if you go on to have children, go on to get married, that brings up a different version of those trauma and those experiences. So, yeah, if you're adopting, you need to be prepared for the whole journey, not just the beginning. Totally. That's a really beautiful statement. You need to be prepared for the long journey. Um, It's like running a a marathon. There's no point in giving up after five miles, even though I have before. Right. Let's move on to how do you feel about adoption today? So, Fran, if you could let the world know one thing about what it means to be adopted 
to make them understand what would that be? I think for me it would be that it isn't a, it isn't a happily ever after. There's so much more to it. It's complex, isn't it? And people need to understand that. So you have people throughout who are checking in on you and making sure that you're okay and understanding that things change and your experiences change and how you feel about things change. Mm-hmm. Can I ask that question to you, Dawn? What would you say to any adoptive families that could help them understand the voice of their child? Yeah, I definitely echo Brown's sentiments and also say that there's a lot of assumptions, especially for those of us who come from a care experience background or backgrounds where our parents are bad for whatever reason, that we're going to have that history or engage in that behaviour. So not to put those assumptions on your child just because you're adopted or just because you're in care or your parents were drug users doesn't mean that you are going to be the same and take the time to educate yourself on why and how you can prevent those things and what you can do to support them if they happen because it happening also isn't a bad thing it doesn't make your child a bad person it doesn't make your adoption bad it's part of the experience and you just need to learn how to cope and deal with it that's a really really wonderful thing and 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 also I, I say to people who still can't understand what adoption is I say I mean it sounds tough to say but you know this is a COVID time at the moment a lot of people have lost loved ones and I always say it's like um say the terrible thing happens you know your grandparents pass away which is obviously going to be traumatic and then you go to your grandparents house and there's now two other grandparents there that are not yours and you've got to now love them like they're yours yeah that's not gonna you know even as an adult you will struggle with that (laughs) going these are your new family but imagine that if you're four it's massive isn't it yeah I have a really similar kind of story that I use that if a parent lost a child you wouldn't um not talk about that experience it's something when it's right and the moment's right you talk about and you look at the good stuff and you look at the bad stuff and embrace all of it and I think that's so essential to if you want to adopt or, or you're an adoptee to make sure that those things are in place because you shouldn't be packing up your past and pretending it's not there. It's not healthy. Out of all the things that you've seen, what do you still think is the biggest misconception about adoption? What thing is, you can't believe people are still asking you this, Fran? It still is the happily ever after. It's the, the you know, the fact that we haven't come from either a place of trauma or that we have a past or that we have other circumstances, it is still, you know, you get adopted and it's straightforward. Yeah. I speak to parents all the time who are in the system and, they, yeah, they still sort of think it's a couple of years and then they're out of here and it's, it's going to be the chocolate box image of children smiling and they just can't believe it. And they, and it's still, which is, which is always unrealistic anyway, because I know a lot of, birth families who have had very difficult problems in their own right so I don't quite know where that sort of do-gooder image has crept in because I I mean every parent I know is up weird hours your teenage children won't talk to you do you know it's it's not parenting isn't easy anyway is it (laughs) absolutely so Dawn have you got anything that you still think of people are still asking you thinking is that ever going to stop I'm just like the phrase I, I get sick of hearing is you must be so grateful or aren't you glad you're adopted I mean yeah I am but it's not the primary concern of my adoption and like Fran says it's not a fairy tale the reality is that it didn't need to happen probably a lot of other things could have been changed and equally my birth parents as much as 
they didn't do right by me were products of their experience and other people commenting that I must be grateful that I'm not with them really frustrates me so yeah sick of hearing that one so maybe avoid that phrase it's extremely insensitive so can I just ask you Dawn what do your parents do that you feel made the biggest impact in making you feel secure confident and proud of your story um yes I'm really lucky all the work that I do currently on adoption so I do a lot of conferences I blog uh, I've done some podcasts and doing this my parents are really supportive everything I do they read they comment they listen and we have conversations about it afterwards so prior to being doing all of this we never really talked about it but now in my 20s we talk about my adoption probably on a weekly basis so that's really it's made me feel secure about where I come from but also that I'm part of that family and also confident in my story and not ashamed to share it with people. Um, That's really wonderful that your parents are with you and also I guess they're learning and developing as much as you are so that is that's just an added bonus isn't it? Yeah and it's opened the conversation it's become a much more two-way thing Um, I'm starting to understand that what my parents felt was lacking for them as adopters as well and starting to see their side of things and I'm also able to feedback on conversations I've had with um, birth parents and birth families and say you know this is some people that I know is experienced and we're all starting to realise how far widespread the impact is. It's not just one person, it impacts everybody on every level, the adopter, the adoptee, the birth family, the school, your extended family, your friends. So I just want to say a big thank you to, to Dawn's parents when you listen to this, giving a big wave and a big hug out there for everyone else as well who's, who's in that process of adopting and letting to listen to their children and, and their, their adults now growing up. That's, you know, big, big respect. If you have the ability to have made one thing easier for you as an adoptee, what would that be and why, Fran? It would be ongoing support to navigate the parallel circumstances that unfolded, you know, aside being adopted. Um, Yeah, just ongoing support, really. Yeah, Dawn? Yeah, support across the board, I think. As an adopted parent, you need to be advocating for your child. That means if you've got to go into school and fight for support because they have more emotional needs or more educational needs, you need to take that on. But also just lobbying for change everywhere school friends making sure that everyone starts to understand what it is and it's not a topic we don't talk about because by talking about it we get that support put in place yeah and and i I did to all all your sentiments and also to to say to anyone listening in power i think families once you get your child need ongoing support there needs to be a lot more support groups rather than wait until there's a crisis let's deal with things and be ready before anything that could happen um and have that support and that knowledge of support from the get-go not just cut it off at 18 or think oh that's you know you'll just grow out of it you won't trauma you don't grow out of it you have to deal with it like you correctly said but looking at the positives um what do you feel have been the benefits of adoption so far i know fan you do some incredible work so what do you think have been the benefits to your character Having compassion for others, a deeper understanding of others as well. I think also being able to understand people's behaviours and, you know, that question of not what's wrong with you, but what's happened to you and having that awareness. And Dawn, what skills have you set? Because I think you're retraining, you're thinking of becoming a social worker, am I correct? 
Yeah, I really want to. Mm. I'm in the process of applying, so fingers crossed I get on, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, skills I've gained from being adopted, probably just the same as Ryan. I'm an empath. I understand that people come from very different backgrounds and don't judge people superficially, I would say. I'm not, I don't look on the face value because I know I have a lot going on underneath the surface. So I expect that off everyone now. Also makes me more aware of people from different upbringings and not, you know, I'm not phased by seeing uh, mixed race families or kids with two mums or kids with one parent. To me, that's kind of the norm. So I guess it makes me more accepting, which is really nice. Ditto. I mean, I didn't really have friends really as a child so I was really racially bullied and I remember it's made me have all different types of friends from you know I've got gay friends I've got straight friends I just call many people friends because I had to yeah I had to broaden that spectrum and also just the strength because you're quite strong people I mean at 26 they've gone through all that and be calm and confident and be able to even talk about it, I think shows a great power. I mean, do you have any aspirations for what you want to do in the future? I know you want to go into social work, but are you really passionate about seeing and lobbying change? And how do you, what, what would you like to see happen? Yeah, um, so I guess the number one reason I want to go into social work is for change. I can see I'm a massive advocate for the adoption system. You know, it did me the world of good. I'm not anti-adoption in any way, shape or form, but the system needs reforms. There need to be services put in place that support adoptees, adoptive parents and birth parents post-adoption. It needs to be ongoing and to make those changes, I need to be part of that system. So yeah, I want to start making policy one day, maybe. (laughs) Watch this space. That's what I love is passion. It's easy to just sit around and look at all the bad things, but I think that's what I'm really loving about my adoption journey every day is meeting people like yourselves and encouraging that fire in our belly. We can't change our past, but we can change someone else's future through what we've been through, which is powerful. Well, I just want to say a huge thank you to my guests, Dawn and Fran, for being candid and real and speaking so eloquently and with so much strength and empowerment about their adoption experience. We all have a part to play in using our voice to change the future and to inspire others to be who they're meant to be. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to this episode of You Can Adopt. Listen out for more new episodes coming up. And if you haven't already, check out the first six episodes that cover many different and interesting stories from adoptive families. For more information and to take the first step towards growing your family, visit youcanadopt.co.uk. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by searching You Can Adopt. If you've been affected by issues raised in Dawn and Fran's stories, expert help and support is available. PAC UK is the country's largest independent adoption support agency and works with all of those affected by adoption and other forms of permanent care to provide advice, support, specialist therapy and counselling. For more information, please visit www.pac-uk.org or call 020 7284 5879